ever will be. And you know it. With the tears in my eyes. The king is back, baby. Acknowledge me. What's up, everybody? It's been a while. Welcome to the soft relaunch of Top Rope Nation, but it's episode 302, so we've been at this a while, but we got a little different flavor for you tonight. As I spoke about recently, we've added a permanent third co-host. He is no stranger to the listeners. You're all very familiar with him, Uh, but it is, you know, officially for the first time since we made that announcement. Uh, welcoming him, welcoming him back on Top Rope Nation, Mister Jesse Velasquez. Welcome back to Top Rope Nation, sir. With a tear in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> there, hey, there you go. We got the brand new intro tonight for this occasion. We got that in the intro as well. Feeling uh, big time here, my friend. It's an incredible feeling, as you can tell by my background. Yes, it's virtual. They, they're they paying me enough here at Top Rope Nation to where I can upgrade my, my loft and where I'm living. So I want to thank you for that. It's not just the hard work I've been putting in in 2023. It's just, it's just nice to know great friends in higher places. So thank you, Ryan. I appreciate just, it. Yeah. A little signing bonus so you could buy that nice... Uh... Multi-million dollar uh, beachfront or whatever that is property behind you. Uh, well, <laughs> I I vow to put it in quite a few stocks, and let's say forty to fifty percent of the income that's going to be coming from it will be going straight to you. So <laughs> there we go. No, 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 no. All all four of our kids are going to be going going to school on scholarships. We'll be doing just fine. <laughs> Man, it has been a wild few weeks getting ready for this show. I got to tell you, I mean, I've been all over the country in the last few weeks. So celebrating my youngest daughter's birthday tonight, busy times around Top Rope Nation. But I have been really looking forward to this show. Just as you all watching can see, Justin is not with us tonight. He will be back next week. The trio will be complete next week as we preview WWE SummerSlam. Uh, But tonight we're going to have AEW to talk about, a lot of AEW. I've been doing some cramming with my television viewing over the last 24 hours. A lot of WWE to talk about as well. Hopefully get you guys all involved in the chat as we go. We are streaming right now on the SE Scoops YouTube channel. So because of that, Super Chats are open. So if you want to get the highlighted comment at the bottom of the screen, go ahead and use the Super Chat feature. We don't usually push that, but I'd like to try it out. So if anyone wants to try the Super Chat, we'll get you involved, push you to the front of the line with the comments here tonight. Uh, and, uh, yeah, always looking to have these shows interactive and have you talk with Jesse and myself. So Jesse really wild here, you know, to have you now permanently on the show, because just a couple of years ago, we didn't even know each other. And I mean, now you've been on the broadcast many, many times. And I think we've talked about this on the show before, but as you now permanently join the show, just to recount for the listeners who don't know. How did how did you and I meet, Jesse? I won a contest on Twitter. I believe it was a couple of weeks before All Out 2021. That is correct. Yeah. yeah. So my my viewing was paid for, which was incredible. And I actually ended up paying that forward. I ended up giving somebody, I ended up paying for somebody else's All Out oh, 2021 okay. experience. So, I mean, it was... And needless to say, it's arguably the best pay-per-view in the history of AEW. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was 
we were there, you know, uh, Kyle and Justin and myself were there. Uh, we were there also with Garrett Gonzalez, Andrew Zarian, Rich Stambolian. There were, we had a whole group of people. There. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, that's that's how we met because I was like, well, I'm not going to be watching it live. And I was running a contest on our social media. I'm like, I'll just give this away. And people retweeted the tweet, you know, to enter. And luck of the draw, you won, bought yeah. you the show. And then we were talking on DM and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I do podcasting, too. And I started checking out your show. And lo and behold, over the next few months, we started podcasting together. So what I'm trying to say, you guys, is you never know where these internet contests will take you. We end up traveling together to All Out then last year, a year after you had won that contest. And, you know, we're shacking up in the same hotel and going to All Out out there in the Chicago suburbs ourselves with Tim Jensen. So who knows, man? Never know where these roads can lead you. Drove down to Iowa last year for full gear. I had always wanted to see Toppling go live, so it was a great excuse to make that a nice little uh, pit stop in the trip and then head my way down to Cedar Falls. We got to view that pay-per-view together. Got to meet Justin for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a blast too. Uh, And so that's one of the good things, I think, about having you as the third man is you're not too far away. You know, you're about a three-hour car ride away from Justin and I, so maybe we can do more in-person podcasts all of us together as time moves on really really looking forward to everything we've got planned we've got some big things coming up in the future that hopefully i'll be able to tell you all about here in the next few weeks so stay tuned for that but again jesse welcome let's get this new era started my friend for sure i'm gonna pinch myself to make sure this is real yes we're (laughs) we're good to go there and yeah the midwest flavor it's it's really awesome it's just really i'm super happy i've been podcasting since i had a look at this my anniversary date and i don't know what yours is august 22nd of 2020 was the first ever podcast i recorded and then here i am 127 episodes into unplugged rest the unplugged wrestling podcast which uh, we'll go into details on that later at some point yes stay tuned there Yes, we have. We definitely have plans for your show to continue in some fashion to still give, you know, you're joining us, but give you the freedom to kind of do your own thing, too. But have it be within this, for lack of a better word, universe, top rotation universe, and kind of, you know, have some cohesiveness going on there. So we'll be making some announcements about that soon as well. So uh, my anniversary, by the way, podcast, I'm thinking about this. For some reason, the 26th of July comes to mind. It was sometime around there of 2016. So I believe Top Rope Nation just turned seven years old. Probably this week. It was right around the time of the WWE draft in 2016, I believe, was the first show. Wow. There you go. Okay. I was going to say, your daughter's birthday shares a birthday with Top Rope Nation's birth. That's pretty crazy. (laughs) Almost. Almost. Yes, indeed. So, hey, I mentioned I've been traveling the country. You guys last heard from us on the flagship here three weeks ago. We did put out an edition of Top Rope Nation Classics. Jesse, you were not able to be on that show, but you will be on the next one, which I believe we're going to record next week, Great American Bash 89. So if you join the Patreon page, you can access to that. It's going to be a ton of fun. You nominated that show, Jesse, and it won the vote. Uh, We were kind of hoping that this one would win the vote. So we have a new Patreon show coming up. But yeah, since you last heard from myself, I went to Chicago with my kids, I believe like two days after we last recorded. It was kind of a trial run to see how my three children would do on a road trip before we took a bigger road trip. And then this last week, my wife and I took our kids to Springfield, Illinois, 
and Memphis, Tennessee. And we had a blast, but with three ki- three young kids on the road for six days, it was fun, but also exhausting. But I do have to say, saw a longtime friend of the show, Derek Strappel in Memphis, yes. went out to had some barbecue with him. That was a blast. So great to meet up with a longtime friend from po- the podcasting world as well. So I've been busy. I didn't have a ton of time to watch a lot of wrestling in the last three weeks. So Jesse, here's what I did. Last night I sat down and I started a marathon of binge watching as much AEW as possible. I watched the last three episodes of Dynamite. I had seen every episode of Collision except last week. So then I had to watch that. I am totally caught up. Saw last night's Dynamite. I am totally caught up now on AEW. Working on WWE. Uh, probably be doing a little of that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm ready to dive in because there's some hot topics going on with AEW. Have you been watching all the shows recently? What's been up in, in your world up there in Minnesota? I had to re... I actually had not caught the CM Punk Ricky Starks main event, which I mm-hmm. went back and watched about an hour and a half ago. So that has been all taken care of. But yeah, AEW is usually can't miss viewing for me. I made There'll be every other weekend. I'll, I won't be able to watch Collision live. But I'll just have my son. He'll be sleeping. So he doesn't get to bed till like 8.30, 9 o'clock. So he's not really on that watching the wrestling stage just yet. He was when he was a lot younger. So yeah. that's going to be coming here in the next maybe 6 to 12 months. And I actually might introduce him to WWE before I introduce him to AEW. Yeah. Only because of the, yeah, the PG and the 14 content. That is what I had to do. <laughs> they mostly will watch... Uh, wwe but once in a while i kind of got to screen the AEW stuff but Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah we are mostly going to start off talking about AEW tonight because that's what's fresh in the mind i just got freaking wrestling coming out of my ears right now jesse over the last 24 (laughs) hours binge watching all of this and then this weekend gonna dive into great american bash 89 as i said join the patreon page to hear that show we'll be doing probably next week and speaking of patreon i want to throw out a shout out we did just get a brand new patron of the show jade i'm probably gonna butcher this last name valeli jade thank you very much for joining up on the top row nation patreon page really really appreciate your support and hopefully you are enjoying all of that bonus content and for anyone else interested you can get a seven day free trial link here in the podcast description all right let's start off with god i mean we're where to even start? I mean, we talk blood and guts because I haven't had the chance to talk about any of that yet. We talk about Jack Perry and the heel turn gone wrong. The women's division We've got a lot of stuff here on the agenda. Um, let's just start with blood and guts because I'm just going to come out and say it. Last night's dynamite. Not great. I don't have a ton of talking points from last night. Probably some of it will come up here in a little bit. But I mean, blood and guts top to bottom was a pretty good show there i there were some issues i had with it which we'll probably get into here um but overall jesse what did you think of the blood and guts broadcast last week that drew just under a million viewers on wednesday night as a whole i enjoyed this show there were parts of blood and guts that i didn't enjoy i'll be honest i I felt that i think the expectations have been so high for all three of these blood and guts that it's hard to exceed them. And I don't think Mm -hmm. any of the three really have and using the tropes of 
even WWE's War Games versions in NXT, where we got the old Wild West showdown where one team on one side of the ring and one team on the other side of the ring, maybe like 35, 40 minutes in, you had that spot. I mean, there, there were just a lot of traditional spots, a lot of repeat stuff. I mean, the, the Bed of Nails was an interesting addition to this, and Kota Ibushi was an interesting addition to this as well. There were a interesting a lot of little yeah i know there were a lot of new yes. <laughs> was yeah. yeah 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 i i do agree and he definitely came back looking different i think yeah. when in 21 when you saw him in new Jersey, incredible shape probably the best shape of his entire life so when you when you see him he looked pale and not nearly as muscular like coda what's what's been going on you're you're one of kenny's best friends kenny over the last couple of years has been in phenomenal shape Mm -hmm. just i mean he's gone to another level so we we have that so i mean it was just it was just weird i mean just kind of a different variation of coda didn't even really take a huge bump until after blood and guts was over which that there's a lot of controversy going on there but I I enjoyed the match. Like I said, there were just a couple of little nitpicky things. I believe I think it was Matter Nick Jackson completely whiffed on a on a kick on, to, to Claudio. Camera missed that. Your camera caught that. Excuse me, but the the physicality of it. There was just a lot of squeamish parts to it. John Moxley, I've always appreciated his in ring work. I appreciate his character, but there are times where I'm like, dude, you need to tone this stuff down. I don't know how you feel yeah. about it. Yeah, I I enjoyed the match. I think, you know, when you compare this to the classic war games, we, we've said this over the years so much. They're, to me, they're still not, they're just not as good. They are a spectacle. They are trying to push the envelope big time every year. And you wonder like when they're going to go too far. But I mean, I like the tighter war games. Man. I, they, just, they just go on too long. Now, it wasn't to me like, you know, the NXT ones were way too long. This one, you know, it felt... It was really long, but it, it didn't feel as long as some of those NXT ones to me. Um, but you still have, you mentioned tropes. You know, you still have the deal when you get to the match beyond section where you got the big face off and everyone's on their feet again. Like they always do that. It's kind of played out. I didn't particularly like how every guy, you know, had their full entrance to come into the ring. I like it more when everyone's just kind of like ready to go and they're all out there just waiting f- to come in like the old school way, yeah. you know, because like when Coda came in, He just took his time, like strolling down. And it's like, dude, you need to even the odds. You need to get down there and help your buddies. What are you doing? He's just like casually strolling down, pointing to the crowd. It's like, what? Shouldn't you be just running down there to help you guys out? So I didn't really like that logistically. Um, But yeah, I mean, I thought it was, I I, I think the the star ratings on this are are massively inflated. Yeah, I think. Oh, yes. I mean, I could be talked into a four on it, but like, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't go any higher than that. Personally, I don't know where you're at. Yeah, Dave's out there now. I yeah. mean, stuff that was five stars back then is now six and a half. You got stuff now that's probably three and a quarter that, or that would be three and a quarter back in those days. It would be probably be four, four yeah. and a quarter now. So, and I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the athleticism, the presentation, it's just so much crisper now than it was in the 80s, 90s. There's more access to everything. Yet, I think you have to look at these things with a 
just a, a different lens and you have to be pretty consistent all across the board. Yeah. I, that's just my opinion on things. I, you know, longtime listeners of this podcast will know one of the big problems I have when WWE does war games is they don't have a roof on the damn cage. At least we do have the roof on the cage. Uh, it's really tall, a lot taller than the old school war games matches, but at least, at least they actually are, well, kind of trapped in there. I guess you can cut your way out, you know, and walk off, whatever. Um, uh, by the way, like if you just leave the match, aren't you technically quitting? Shouldn't that end the match? I team? think it should. <laughs> that, Absolutely. That, I really understand. The uh, moment that Pac walked out of the cage, yeah, the, the match should have ended. What did you think about, because I have been a big Kota Ibushi fan over the years, and I can't go mm-hmm. too hard on him because, yeah, he's worked, what, three matches in the last two and a half years or something like that. One was a blood sport match. So, I mean, he's he's definitely not in ring shape. But, like, when he got down there and he instantly started doing those straight punches that were not even close to connecting, what did Dave give this match? Like four and three quarters, something like that. He did. Mm-hmm. I cannot give a match four and three quarters where like Kota Ibushi was whiffing by six inches on his punches on screen. And then he'd had like a knee later that wasn't even close to connecting again. Yeah. It looked really, really bad. Yes, it was a spectacle. Yes, there was awesome creative spots in it. Not a four and a three quarter star match, though. I mean, four, maybe. Seems I'm sure some other people will be lower than that that are longtime fans. But that, that's kind of where... I would be. Did you see Coda's excuse for, you know, how he was moving because he wasn't ready for the thumbtacks and all of that? And he said that his shoes he was wearing were like too thin. And so that's why he was moving like so leisurely and slow in the ring. I don't know about that, man. That's he's been he a risk taker his entire life. If you, you watch some of the crazy stuff that he's done in Japan, and I'm not even talking in a wrestling ring. Yeah. The the fireworks spot in the middle of a parade, I believe, where he got hit by a couple of fireworks or something like that. I mean, yeah, Coda's a risk taker. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, that's that's why he said because it seemed like when you're watching it, he was not just moving slowly, but at times he was kind of like crawling around the ring. And I was like, why is he not on his feet? What's going on here? But um, yeah, after he entered, I, I definitely it was just hard to ignore you know, how kind of out of it he was in the match. I was really excited to see him in there, like Absolutely. most wrestling fans. Uh, but I, I was definitely disappointed in his performance. And hopefully we get to see him, you know, do some more over the next few months. But yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, I watched this match at about, boy, I think it was like 1130. I started this last night. I got to blood and guts and like, I know it's a long match. Am I going to watch it? And I did. I did whiz through the commercials, though. I didn't watch the picture in picture, so it made it a little faster. But I watched it pretty damn late last night. So I I enjoyed it. I'm not going to like I said, I'm not going to go too hard on it. I do think it's getting overrated out there. And and there were definitely some issues with it. Anything else? And oh, yes. Fans chanting. We want tables. (laughs) That's right. You had that in the group, didn't you? Aren't you talking about that? Uh-huh, and then uh, seconds later, uh, after the table had been introduced, they wanted fire. Yeah, they didn't get the fire. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but, yeah, do we really need to be chanting for tables in 2023? I will say, though, overall, the crowd was tremendous during that show. Oh, yes. And, you know, I saw Curtis was in, in the chat, and, you know, not to rag on Canada. I love Canada, but, I mean, the crowds up there were pretty small. You know, so it was good to see the big crowd in Boston that was really loud. And, you know, that was a nice change of pace. And they were into it, you know, from from start to finish. So I will give them credit for that. But the table chance, we could probably do without that at this point. And even um, though we couldn't see him, 
John Cena's dad was in attendance as well. Oh, was he? At AEW. Yeah, he he said he was going to be in attendance and made a little ruffle on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it these days. (laughs) X. (laughs) Jesus, Elon Musk. Well, Top Row Nation's on threads, you guys. So if you're getting off of X or Twitter, you can find us on threads these days, by the way. Same uh, username, at Top Row Nation. Um, Speaking of changes, Jesse... We haven't really talked about it on the pod since it happened way back at Forbidden Door. What oh, do you yes. make of Jack Perry's heel turn and where we're at right now? Because, oh boy, <laughs> to me, this is one of the worst things they're presenting right now. I do think, I do think it was the right move to turn him heel. I did think as a baby face, he couldn't have gone much further than he already had. He needed to try something new. But I think we're seeing a lot of the limitations he has right now. Just as a performer, he's still very young. Like he could honestly go for some extra practice on the indies right now to like grow into his personality and, and how to play this character. So far, the material has not been great. Uh, <laughs> Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I mean, what? It doesn't work for me. It just—it's too quiet. Yes, you got to change his theme song. Obviously, I kind of get what he's going for. That wasn't the right choice. That ain't working. I'll I'll be curious to see how long they stick with that before they change it up. But I mean, in the end, you can't just like grow a beard and wear leather and, you know, think everyone's going to boo you. The material the material has not been great in the promos. You take it. What, what have you thought about Jack Perry so far? You know, they should reflip this gimmick and he should become Hollywood Jack Perry. Come out to the Beverly Hills 90210 theme song. I think that would be awesome. It's something you could probably tap into. I mean, he probably has some chops from his dad. There's gotta be something that's gonna pull him out of there. And you and then the way that this whole we're gonna get into it later, the the JAS is starting to fall apart a little bit. You can easily probably tap Anna J into into a role with him. Mm-hmm. Just make them equally hated in a slightly different way that that uh, Ty Mello and Sammy were. Yeah. So, and I'm I, I think what I have enjoyed and just the the one match with Hook was he did change his his wrestling. He's doing a little bit less high flying stuff and relying more on cheating. So I'm going to give him kudos for that. I think he's going to fit into that role just fine. I think it's just a matter of like you just said, getting in the reps somewhere else and going to, I don't know, at promo classes or something like that. I don't know where else to go from here with him, but I mean, he's super talented in the ring. Just the guy has issues talking. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, th- I thought, yeah, his recent promos, I mean, all along, all the promos, really. I mean, the first one was panned online, was not very good. And, you know, as it's gone on, it just hasn't gotten any better. You know, the delivery is still pretty much the same. Not a lot of emotion behind it. And the material, again, is is not great. So I, I've not been a fan. Um, now, apparently, since he won the FTW title, it looks like, He's going to be feuding with the ECW originals because, you know, they've been playing into what you know, Taz, obviously, and how he felt watching Hook lose. And then uh, God, that was last night, right? That Jerry Lynn came out. <laughs> like I watched so many Dynamites. I remember. Yeah, last night, Jerry Lynn came out and hopefully everyone in the crowd knew who he was. They didn't really explain it very well. But, you know, you got Jerry Lynn. Um, I will say that I've. Kind of been clued in on what's planned for him at All In, and I think people 
will find that very interesting. I mentioned this to you off air, mm-hmm. Jesse, what, where they're leaning for who he could be working with there. It is someone tied to ECW that you haven't seen in a while. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but I guess, you know, for the next few weeks, this is, this is where they're going to be going. It makes sense with the FTW situation. Um, but man, Right now, if I'm buying or selling, I am definitely selling on Jack Perry and what has been happening, unfortunately. I got to agree. What's interesting, though, is the crowd's really getting on Jungle Boy's case. So the heel turn's working in that aspect. He just has to catch up to it. Yeah, I feel like there's some aspect of that is like he's a homegrown guy. And I feel like the crowd even though they're booing him, like they want to kind of like play along. Do you know what I mean? Like they want to support what he's, they understand what's going on. They see him as one of their guys. And I feel like, you know, they're going to try to get behind it. Like they're almost trying to help it out a little bit. I know that's something at AEW. The the fans have done a, they've done a great job of the last four years is they're, they're very understanding. They almost come from an indie background themselves mm-hmm. where that's where like they're just not watching as much WWE anymore. So let's, watch the independence let's watch new japan so yeah i that that definitely makes sense to me i will say this about jerry lynn too he was on the saturday night nitro back in september of 2022 when i was there and Mm -hmm. he had a he had a physical altercation he was involved in for about i think it was 20 seconds or so so i don't really see him i can totally see this just leading into him maybe managing whoever's going to be wrestling yeah jack perry at all in oh yeah i could i could definitely see that definitely i'm i'm gonna bite my tongue on this as well so i mean i'm gonna have a lot to say about it in a couple weeks when when it's probably announced who he's gonna be wrestling but yeah yeah Yeah. um so yeah that was by the way saturday night Nitro. that was first wrestling right up at the mall yeah they're gonna repeat it again this year very nice i'd kind of like to go to that i'll have to talk that would be fun it's it, it's worth it, and I got last minute tickets last year, so I could mm-hmm. probably do it again. With amazing house, even Craigslist in 2023 works, folks. <laughs> it's still around, still kicking. It does work, yes. <laughs> oh, one last thing on the FTW title as well, which I'm surprised that nobody mentioned. Hook had won the FTW title from Ricky Starks one year to the day. Or it was the next day because he won it from, yeah, on the July 20th edition of Dynamite after Ricky Starks, I believe, had defeated, was it Powerhouse? No, it wasn't Powerhouse Hobbs because they hadn't turned at that point. But yeah, so Hook had held it for almost a year exactly. Let us know in the chat what you guys have thought of Jack Perry and and all of this so far. Uh, Yeah, that's what did you think, by the way, of that? that hook vignette they aired where he was like in the subway and then like the train went by and the FTW title vanished. I, like what was, that was weird. What was the point of that? <laughs> was that like, uh, supposed to be for all first? I'm like, is this all out? Cause they always have you know, like the L train from Chicago on the posters. Is that what's going on? I don't know what that was. Very, very strange. Grew up in Queens. I mean, yeah. Him and his, him and his father also ECW ties. I don't, I don't think he's even getting into a ring. So yeah. But- I guess I just didn't get the point of it. It's like, yeah, we know he lost the title. Why is there a vignette about it? Like the title disappearing all the train pass. I don't know what's going on. Hey, you you mentioned uh, the JAS stuff. All right. So we've now for weeks, we've been seeing Jericho and Callus, And if he's going to join the Callus, the so-called Callus family, and 
you know, what's going on there. Um, what do you make of this? Is this drawing you in at all? The Callis family is just Kenosuke Takeshita and, <laughs> and Don Callis. The so-called family, yeah. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing to it. Has it drawn me in? Not really. I mean, and I think a lot of people have made these points in circles that I've noticed, is people who are associated with Chris Jericho, none of them have really gone on to bigger and better things in really any of the factions. No. Nope. I mean, MJF did use it as a, as a stepping stone to break off there to become the pinnacle and then move on to bigger and better things. But I look at Jake Hager, who's been nondescript. I look at 2.0 is kind of a joke comedy act when it comes to a tag team. And I think that they'd be better suited being serious contenders. Mm-hmm. I, I think they definitely have the promo ability to, to draw, to draw us in and get them and get us invested in something. You also yeah. have like Sammy Guevara has been, I will say he's been elevated since, I mean, since that very first dynamite when, when he joined up with the inner circle. I mean, he's, he's been doing just fine, but I look at Santana and Ortiz who, spoiler alert, I think they're on their way back in a week or two, which I'm very, very excited for. They've been definitely a huge downgrade in the last podcast that I was on. They were arguably what somebody said was probably the biggest disappointment in AEW history. Hmm. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. Jake Hager. Was that Jake? I mean, this is a low bar. Was that Jake Hager's best AEW promo backstage with Jericho about how he saved his life 10 years ago and all that stuff? Easily. (laughs) Easily. His, his hat got a little bit over with the crowd. Give him, give him credit there. Made him somewhat interesting, but yeah, I, I remember, I think it was Carl who made this point after double or nothing that said that Chris Jericho should just go away for about six months. Go, Go tour. Yeah. Do play Fozzie concerts, just get away, come back fresh. That would, I think it'd be great for him. Yeah. I, Michael Jenkinson probably wouldn't like it, but <laughs> uh, friend of the pod, by the way, Michael Jenkinson in the new show open. If you guys are watching on YouTube and you didn't notice the last scene, you know, that I put together with all the video montage was him holding the top rope nation sign uh, at the dynamite in Atlantic city a couple of years ago. So you never know. Bring a Top Rope Nation sign to television. Maybe we'll even put you in our show open like we did Michael Jenkinson. Thank you, Michael, again. That was awesome. He's been incredible. Very, very supportive, not only of your show, but mine as well as we've been yeah. going through WWE, WWF 1998. So, yes, shout out Michael Jenkinson. A good dude. A very good dude. His brother, mm-hmm. too. Yes. All right. Um, so that's been, you know, that's been going on. We're obviously going to talk about MJF and Cole here in a second, but before we get there, a lot of discussion last night about the women's division. They even showed a sign in the crowd. They cut to a sign in the crowd that said, book the women's division better after the tie of Valkyrie Britt Baker match, which was not good last night. Just, it was a clunky match. They didn't seem to be on the same page. Big fan of Britt Baker, but she's kind of been off lately as well. We were talking about Mm -hmm. this in the Facebook group. Her Owen tournament match with Ruby Soho was kind of sloppy as well. And I've, to be honest, just overall, I've had a lot of issues with lately how the women's division has been booked. Now, I know a lot of people throughout the whole duration of this company have been saying that. 
Uh, but I mean, there's been high spots. Now, what happened with Jamie Hader and this back injury is just freaking terrible luck. And she's going to be out for a long, long time from what I am hearing still. Uh, so, you know, they've had to shuffle some things. You know, obviously, um, they've had the interim champions over the years and, and everything going on there. But still, I, I feel like they did have something in June with Sky Blue a little bit. Like she was getting very popular with the crowd. I know they were in Chicago where she was from, but like I was kind of shocked when she lost to Ruby in the Owen tournament because do you feel like we've seen Ruby Soho peak in AEW? Like, do you think she'll go beyond where she's already been? Probably not. I mean, she, I look at her as almost the third wheel of the outcasts, even though yeah. Soraya hasn't really wrestled much either. I'm kind of curious mm-hmm. to where she's been a little bit on screen over the last month or so. And then I think and then once Jamie got hurt, all of a sudden the outcasts really haven't been, all they've been picking on is Sky Blue and Willow Nightingale, who shout out to Willow, holy cow. I mean, she's made a huge leap over the last six months. I still have yet to see the Athena Willow Nightingale ROH match from death before dishonor, but I heard it was one of the better women's matches of the year, especially in North America. So, and Athena, that's another thing doing incredible work again, from what I hear, some people say she's the 2023 women's North American or world's wrestler of the year, but she's behind a paywall right now. Mm -hmm. All of her work is on honor club and it's unfortunate. Yeah. You got to see her during the uh, on that collision episode for the Owen Hart semifinal when she wrestled Willow and it was, was a pretty good match, but outside of that, I, I don't know. I think it's just a matter of and again, you alluded to it. It's been 4 years and you can almost guarantee that they're going to be probably 75% of the time on at 8:20 Central, 9:20 Eastern with the women's segment every week on Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah, and I always make this point. They're always the match that is in the death spot on a pay-per-view behind what's either an incredible match or the second best match on the card. Oh, we're going to throw the women out there. Yeah. So it's they've just been behind the eight ball, I think, for the last four years, and it's hard to really see a change. Yeah, I. so that's funny you mentioned that, how they're always in the same spot, because when I was watching all these Dynamites in sequence last night, and I was skimming a lot of it, you know, I didn't watch every single match. Some of them I would just kind of skim through and watch what happened. But I, I did have my two oldest daughters watching with me who wanted to see the women's matches, obviously, and they love Britt Baker. And they started saying, like, when is there going to be a women's match? Where are the girls? Why are there no girls? And I was, I finally eventually, I was like, I know, I don't know what's taking so long to get the girls out there to stay tuned, you know? But um, yeah, I just, I feel like, so when I, I mentioned with Ruby Soho, I actually do think she's peaked in AEW. I don't, I don't know that she ever gets beyond the, you know, that popularity she had when she first came in because she was the new face and the ex WWE women's wrestler. I don't know, especially after playing kind of second and third wheel here for so long if she does get back to that level meanwhile sky blue was on the ascent and i'm going to go somewhere else with this in a second but she's on the ascent i thought maybe her and willow would be the final in that tournament push some new faces out there um but you know yeah she lost clean i don't think that was a bullshit finish was it i'm trying to remember i think she pretty much lost clean and then she lost clean again to ty valkyrie which, why would you do that? Taya Valkyrie, like, what, what is she going to add? 
And as we saw last night, I'm hearing backstage people were not thrilled with that match last night. Um, I mean, like, why would you beat her again when this person, Sky Blue, was on the ascent? She's one of those new fresh faces in a division that's struggled to have new faces break through. And they just, like, beat her twice over a couple of weeks clean. I just... I don't know. I thought she should have gone further in the tournament, and I definitely wouldn't have had her losing to Ty Valkyrie. She's one of the women that's actually been doing things right, where she's been wrestling a lot on the independence over the last year, too, mm-hmm. to coincide with what she's doing in AEW. So the improvement's there, which is why a lot of these wrestlers... And here's another thing that I don't think gets mentioned a lot, is that AEW only wrestles two nights a week. You get now we're getting the occasional house show, but at the same time, how can you expect to get better at your job when you're only performing in front of crowds once a week? Yeah, for we're looking at three to four years. That's really really hard to do. That's the one positive with the WWE and the house show circuit is they can at least perform in front of crowds, get more reps in. So they're they're wrestling three to four nights a week, whereas AEW's a little behind the eight ball there. I'm telling you, like we were saying, I'd have Jack Perry out there working indies. I'd be setting him out, just giving him more experience, working that heel character in front of some, you know, hot crowds, hopefully that would really go against him for being the TV guy that they think is, you know, not as good as maybe his push deserves right now. I think he'd grow into the character, just get him off TV, you know, send him out, work some of these smaller shows. But yeah, you're exactly right. It's it's hard to develop uh, when you all are only working once a week, if that. You know, even if you're even brought into every taping. And so, yeah, Sky Blue was, a, you know, a bright spot in this division. Um, so, yeah, they, they got their work cut out for them there. Uh, and we'll, you'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. But I think as I was rewatching the last few weeks of television, that was definitely something that stuck out to me. It was like, God, Sky Blue loses again, loses again. Ty Valkyrie working Britt Baker, sloppy match. Right. I don't know. I don't know. And then the That's ins great. and the outs with Hi- Hikaru Shida as well. Because now mm-hmm. she's being reintroduced as a top contender for Tony Storm's AW Women's Championship. I'm like, where in the world did she come from? She'll uh, pop up on a dynamite and then be gone for a month. She'll go back to Japan. Then she'll come back and just remind you that, oh, yeah, she did have some beef with the outcasts. So there's there's been a lot of that going on, too. I would not be surprised to see Sheeta capture the AW women's title again. Interesting. Yeah. I think they're, I think they're kind of shaking up the division here because they recognize that things haven't been great. I mean, shit again, they showed the sign on TV, which was bizarre directing, but uh, let's see. Curtis said in the chat, they had a terrific opportunity to have a Brit sky feud after sky blue beat her in the four way, but they seem so set on baby face Brit. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. When Brit's 10 times a better heel. <sighs> way better. Way, way better. You could argue she's a top five heel in the entire company. Yeah. I mean, people will always cheer her. You know, she's never going to get 100% heel heat, but like she's so good at being a heel that people people are cheering because they recognize how good she is as a heel, but still like the presentation on television with her character that way and her working matches that way is just much better. Much, much better, I think. I would agree. Completely agree. Yeah, they, they tend to have a tendency to heat women up for a month and then kind of send them back down the card. 
think mm-hmm. the only ones that have been at that card for a long time have been it's been Britt Baker, Tony Storm. It's really yeah. it. I mean, Jamie Hader even for a while was kind of in the middle. So yeah. so I think Sky Blue can she's super young. I think she's like 22, 23 years old. She'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But I look at like Anna Anna Jay is another one, 23 years old. I mean, she's I know she's been losing a lot lately and people have been complaining about that, but at the same time, there are a lot of people in front of you. And Taya Valkyrie also. It's really odd. She's getting kind of this Orange Cassidy before he won the international championship deal where she gets thrown in all these title title matches and loses. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think she's going to have a championship anytime soon. I will say that. I do not know. And it's very unfortunate because I actually have watched a handful of her matches in Mexico and a couple of her matches in impact. And I know she can work. So yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, she's she's shown over the years she can, but it hasn't clicked in AEW, and I just feel like it was bizarre booking to kind of put her in, in those situations when you had someone else just like right there who I think would benefit you long-term much better, you know, in this division as they're looking to shake things up. So, yeah. Uh, we've also seen a shake-up. All right, this is a topic everyone's probably been waiting for with uh, the tag team eliminator tournament and all these... these blind teams who just kind of seem like you would consciously book them together like MJF and Adam Cole and what they've been doing. And we've got glimpses of a baby face MJF here over the last few weeks with the, you know, the different uh, montages and sequences they've been filming. Got him running around the ring, high-fiving fans and all of this (laughs) better than you, baby, as they're called Uh, Jesse. So what do you make of this? Are you a fan do you think it's counterproductive? Have you enjoyed the segments that they have filmed out and about? What do you think of this? The entertainment value is very high. Yeah. It's made Adam Cole interesting to me. So they're definitely getting that point across. I think this is another situation, though, where with MJF and Adam Cole, both of them are better as heels. Mm-hmm. And call me crazy. I kind of want to see Adam Cole being the one to turn here. That's I was going to bring that up because the way this has played out and the way you expect it to go, doesn't it make Adam Cole look like an idiot? (laughs) I mean, like he's totally getting played by MJF and Roddy sees it, you know, and he's been warning him and lately at least like the last week he's come across kind of lame about you know like these friendship promos he's, i mean this is like true white meat babyface stuff <laughs> this is like 1980s you're not only are you my friend you're one of my best friends you know i love you bro that's the only thing he didn't say and it's just like is that the kind of character that people cheer these days because like when mjf turns on him as we expect to happen mm-hmm. like the crowd will cheer mjf right like this is not that's why I said counterproductive. This is not going to put babyface heat on Cole when they break up, is it? Because like, won't everyone say, "What an idiot!" You thought that like MJF was your buddy. This is MJF we're talking about here. I just, in that way, I think it's been counterproductive. Now, to your point, if that was the turn that they would do, that would make more sense. At the same time, I don't know if I want to see MJF babyface yet, though, because he is such a great, great heel. Um, it is interesting. Like they have this conundrum on their hands here about do you keep them together longer and actually have them win the tag titles 
you know, because I'm sure when they cooked up the storyline, it was like, yeah, we can do some fun stuff for a few weeks. MJF turns on you after you don't capture the tag titles. And then, you know, you parlay that into their rematch at all in or all out or wherever they're going to have that. And that's that. But like the crowd has gotten so behind it and it has been most of it pretty fun. Some of it's been kind of lame, but a lot of it's been pretty funny and entertaining. So like, do you stop? I mean, they're selling a lot of merch right now with that T-shirt. If you look at the sales charts over in shop AEW. So, I mean, there's the argument that you keep them together longer uh, and you make them tag team champions. That being said, I would not put money on them winning the tag team titles, but anything's possible. What do you think? I want them to keep going with this. I actually wouldn't mind seeing them go with this until full gear and have the have the payoff there. Mm-hmm. But then you run the risk of how this all started. Adam Cole was chasing the championship. That's the biggest yeah. reason. And and that that would also mean that MJF at some point in time would have to I mean he's going to he's going to be wrestling some opponents here. There's a lot of big events coming up, all in, all out, Grand Slam. So you got to put him through murderer's row and then pay it off and have him wrestle Adam Cole there. I don't envy Tony Khan in this situation. I mean, this is this is a great thing. I this is very similar. I've heard this a lot. The Festival of Friendship, and I don't mm-hmm. remember. I can't recall how long that went. That was like s- over Ooh. six months. Yeah, I have to really go back to that because the the payoff on that or the heel turn in Vegas was awesome. Yes. That was tremendous. And I mean, it's going to be a fantastic match on Collision. I And then here's the other thing. You mentioned the blind tag team tournament. This could segue things into it. You, now we have an, a tag team division problem. We've had one for a long time. The heel, or not the heels, the trios and the tag teams, it's they're, they're one in the same. But, yeah. And now we have another Eliminator Battle Royal on Friday Night on Rampage. Mm-hmm. This is just starting. It's starting to get repetitive and a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. A lot of things that we give WWE crap for, AEW starting to do some things too. I found myself more frustrated with them. Maybe it was just because I had the marathon watching. <laughs> Stuff like stuck yeah. out to me as I watched it over and over happen. Yeah. Yeah, there there are been there've been some similarities that rub you the wrong way for sure, especially in the tag division. Now, I think the the negative if they keep them together is that like it kind of makes the world title not irrelevant, but it's taking a back seat. You know, the longer that they do this. Uh wh- so what's your pick for collision by the way? You think they win the tag titles or they lose? I think FTR is going to win. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping for an Adam Cole turn. Yeah. This is coming from a guy who doesn't I mean much like I know Michael Jenkins and he loathes Adam Cole. <laughs> yes, yes. I've always found Cole overrated, yet I I can see why people like him, but let's let's see him turn and let's just see some crowd reactions and just see how he plays off as a heel cuz he's again he's a much better heel than he is a face and Maybe it'll make this character more interesting. And they had a tremendous match on Dynamite in that 30-minute draw. So we have zero doubts that they could go into Wembley or they can go to Chicago and put on what might be the best match of the night. Or it'll be mm-hmm. close. Yeah. Yeah. I Unless they make a last-minute decision, to me it seems they're still going to break them up 
and parlay that into the title match and uh, probably babyface Cole heel MJF uh, like was always planned because you know they they threw in the thing with the belt last week you know where he he got pissed about the belt and it's like if you're going to keep them together for a couple of months you probably don't pull that card this early quite yet so I think they are sticking to the plan but man there is sure an argument to keep them together a little while longer and Cole keeps manipulating MJF and getting what he wants. True. So, yeah. yeah, he he got him to agree to the match with Tanahashi. He got him to agree to the initial match. He got him now to agree to the rematch eventually. Once this partnership splits, that happened during one of the promos last night. So, hey, maybe maybe this manipulative Adam Cole could possibly be turning heel. That's a good point. I don't know. That's a good point because if he doesn't go heel, as I said, he just looks really dumb. But if he goes heel, it's like this was all planned all along. Look how I've manipulated you. But yeah, just the straight trying to get babyface heat on him with how this has played out will not go well. (laughs) I do not think for him. Exactly. Have MJF one up him when it counts. And that's in the ring when the AEW World Championship's on the line. Let Adam Cole get the best of him the entire way To, Mm -hmm. to put doubt in our heads and then MJF goes on to retain in a what will likely be a fantastic match. And the crowd will be invested too. I, I think that that's that'd be the other thing. Is that Cole could possibly do this. I was just gonna say you're not picking uh, Adam Cole to win the world title, are you? Because if you are, I could practically hear Jenkinson screaming from Philadelphia right now. I I am not. No. Okay. I like I said, I said let let Cole get the advantage the entire way, and then MJF retains his title when it counts because yeah. I think there's a couple other guys that'll definitely have uh, definitely have the we'll get the upper hand on MJF at some point in time and mm. one of them's going to win it yeah all right last uh, AEW topic I have I think looking at my agenda here unless you have anything else you want to talk about the big the big discussion point I wanted to have and this is on our thumbnail for the show on YouTube so we can get to it now is I guess general thoughts on how the collision dynamite soft split is going so far. Um, and you know, what do you think, what you have thought about show quality thus far dynamite versus collision, because we saw the blood and gut show to this week's dynamite was a huge fall off. I mean, like last night's dynamite was pretty weak. Like from a card perspective, it was not a great main event to follow blood and guts with. I, I recognize you can't, present a blow away show every single week but i do feel you need to build off of a larger audience last week you know the rating was up demo and overall viewership and present something keep people tuned in and if i'm watching that show last night and i'm someone that doesn't watch AEW that often i'm probably tuning out pretty early and they didn't really have anything that exciting last night that anyone beyond the hardest of hardcores would be interested in. And I, I personally, yeah, dynamite's very up and down. I felt collision overall has been pretty freaking solid all the way through. Like I really look forward to watching collision. There's been a couple episodes like when punk was on commentary that maybe wasn't as good, but overall that show to me is much more consistent so far. You know, what are we now about a month and a half into this soft split? What have you felt so far? I think the key point is that the consistency is 
you know who the biggest characters, the biggest, yeah, who the biggest characters are on Collision automatically. You know it's Jay White, it's CM Punk. You're starting to see Ricky Starks come out of this as well. FTR, I mean, basically Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. It's it's those guys. You know you're going to see them in the feature. I like the old school feel of it. It's got very 80s and 90s wrestling's vibe to it in the presentation as well as the wrestling style. You'll get the occasional like action Andretti wrestled a couple of weeks ago on on Collision. But a lot of these are more of your kind of throwback style style matches and I've really enjoyed that about about Collision. I really I mean you got the tag team match of the year out of it too. And that two out of three falls that went nearly an hour. Nobody was complaining and they've actually made juice Robinson compelling. Yes, that's for sure. I can't, I could not stand juice Robinson for at least seven years. I was like, why, why is this guy getting pushed as much as he is? And he's looked a lot more intriguing in this character and makes me hate him more, but in a good way. I guess if that makes sense. So they're yeah. doing a good job with him there. And you had, and like the House of Black, for example, you're seeing a lot of the WWE folks are now the, the ones with the character problems or what are perceived as difficult behind the scenes. Like Miro's on this show, Andrade's on this show, Malachi Black's on this show. So that's where that whole soft brand split comes into play. I have enjoyed Collision quite a bit. Whereas, I mean, Dynamite, like you just said, we think the Blackpool Combat Club, I would assume that they're probably the most important characters on a weekly basis. They're featured every week. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the elites in the title, and they weren't mentioned a single time on Dynamite last night. Yeah, that was weird. That's a problem. Very weird. I will say dynamite wise, just again, binge watching all that stuff last night. I really liked the Omega Yuta match. That was a fun match to watch and obviously blood and guts, but it's just been really, really up and down in between. Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy is, is your consistent player has been all year. Yeah, he's been fantastic. There's going to have to be some discussions when he loses that international championship is, is he going to become a top contender for that world championship. Cause I think he's deserved. I think he deserves it. Yeah. Well, so I guess we're on the same page there. Yeah. Collision pretty solid week to week. Really look forward to tuning in. Love the old school feel. Love the look of the set. So I guess people, people need to give CM Punk his flowers, man, because not, I mean, not only is he wrestling on this show, but you know, he's running the book behind the scenes a lot of the time too. And it's the better show right now. In my opinion, and yours. So I don't think there's really has there been anything over these six weeks that that's left you scratching your head on collision. No, I mean it's almost been yeah solid move after solid move. I think like people, I remember some complaining about the card. I think in week two was it was that the second show people kind of complained that it was a little weak. I can't even remember what was on that show now. But like overall, there's almost always something big to look forward to. Um, they've developed characters like look no further than Ricky Starks. Mm-hmm. You're a big Ricky Starks guy. Absolutely. I mean, had his theme on your podcast for months and months and months. <laughs> oh, yes. Ricky Starks is never felt bigger. And it's all been crafted on this collision show with the heel turn and what he's been doing with punk. And, you know, first 
first having him team with Punk and FTR, and that just by association made him feel bigger. And then the turn and all it, you know, his promo that he cut after uh, winning the Owen tournament was one of his best promos he's ever had in AEW. And uh, I mean, he's taking it up a notch, and it doesn't hurt when you got people behind the scenes coaching you and you're listening to them. And they're presenting you in the way that you need to be presented. So, and then you mentioned, yeah, I mean, Bullet Club Gold, they've been phenomenal on the show. So, yeah, there's, it's been solid, man. I can't complain really about anything on Collision right now. No. And I do like that they've been, they have been bringing a couple of guys and, and gals over from, from Dynamite to wrestle on Collision to keep it pretty soft brandish or soft mm-hmm. brand split ish. There was one other point I was going to make about Dynamite and Collision. It just kind of just went in. Oh, I think the one thing that nitpick that people have been saying is that Punk's been losing too much hmm. or he's been on the losing side of things where I believe he's, he's been pinned just the one time and Starks had to cheat to do it, which Punk yeah, made the point of yeah. on Collision. But you're trying to elevate somebody in this case. People for the last two years have been saying, why isn't Ricky Starks near the main event? Good news. Here it comes, and it's coming at the expense, if you want to put that in air quotations, of one of the top performers in the entire promotion. It's Punk showing he's a team player, too, right? <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, he definitely, yes. you know, he, he wants to show that. He needs to show that, but I'm sure he wants to push Ricky Starks. Like I said, you know, he's he's, he's running the book behind the scenes as well. So, yeah, he's... Uh, He's done a lot for him. I, I see no problem with Punk losing too much or being on the losing end. I mean, because, again, it's cheating. It's fine. It's pro wrestling. When we get to all in and all out, this is where I'm going to be super curious of is crowd reactions for the Collision crew and then the Dynamite crew because they're going to be spliced together yeah. here. And I'm going to wonder where the interest level is going to be for, let's say, the House of Black get a trios title match at all out Mm -hmm. like what type of reception they're going to get i'm actually curious as to why they're not on dynamite a little bit more because they're they're champions champions should be traveling back and forth i think the only the only champions you maybe could say don't travel back and forth would be your tnt champion that's luchasaurus and he's on tnt on collision Chris Statlander is on TBS or on Dynamite as a TBS champion, but every other major title I think should go back and forth. Are you are you sure Luchasaurus is the TNT champion? Is that accurate? <laughs> that Christian Cage promo when he what did he say to CM Punk that I laughed so hard? Oh, well, they were talking about well, Starks brought up the empty bag or whatever, and then uh, something about how sad it was for him to walk around pretending he's the champion or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, with a title that he never won. Yeah. It's actually a title he never lost. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, he never lost it. That's right. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I guess overall, then my verdict is, I think it's, it's working all right so far. Dynamite's definitely been the weaker show, but each show does have its own flavor which I think is a success. I think they needed the show to feel different. You couldn't, you couldn't have this turn into rampage where it's just dynamite light, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's clearly different in a good way. There's a reason to tune in again. It is a very difficult night to draw TV ratings. It's going to get worse with football season coming up, but I do know that, you know, behind the scenes, Warner brothers discovery is overjoyed with, uh, 
you know, how not just Dynamite, but Collision has been doing so far. You know, they put out press releases on, on ratings recently and listen to our friend Andrew Zarian over on Matt Men. He was just talking about this, I think, on their most recent episode that, I mean, yeah, they're very, very pleased with how even Rampage, you know, the numbers that show does in the time slot in the demo, you know, they're fine with it right now. I mean, that's a show we hardly ever think about personally, but like they're overjoyed with AEW and everything they've been doing right now with with all of their broadcasts. So uh, no reason to complain on their end. And that plays in well to their contract negotiations and what's moving on into uh, next year and beyond. Dynamite, I will say it feels like it's faster paced, which it always has been. That's why the collision, just the whole kind of slowing it down, soaking things in has been a little more received. Yeah. And you're you're getting more of the original AEW style, I think, on Dynamite, where yeah. Collision's just giving you, I guess, a alternative within their own promotion. And that's why I'm really, really glad that no one's mentioned anything about brands at all on either of these shows. None of the talent yeah. has. I think that's been fantastic. So keep that part going. Just I just want to see more talent kind of travel back and forth. Agreed. You got to sprinkle that in here and there. Like we saw Punk make the appearance when they were in Chicago, which made sense. But like, I think he needs to appear once in a while just on Dynamite. They just got to do they got to sprinkle it in here and there. It shouldn't be like every week. You should have that incentive if you want to see CM Punk to tune into Collision. But I do think there should be a little bit more cross pollination going on. But yeah, to your point, Collision, they definitely let things kind of marinate on that show a little bit. They let it ferment. You know, it's not so rushed. Uh, It doesn't have that frenetic pace sometimes that Dynamite has where where too much is happening. Let's see the Elite on Collision. How fun would that be? That'd be interesting. And you made the great point, too, about how the crowd's going to react it all in and all out because technically Forbidden Door was after collision launch but it was so early and that was like a different show with it being the interpromotional show so that will be you know kind of the first time in the in the you know the regular aw pay-per-view universe that uh the two shows totally come together without that outside group with new japan so yeah yeah like i but I, darby has traveled back and forth he was on collision mm-hmm. with punk wrestling against christian ricky starks over the weekend so yeah. had mjf go to collision They'll be back on Saturday. Yeah. So, yeah, we're getting a little of that sprinkled in. I think they should continue that. But each have, each having their own identity, I think so far it's working. And I agree. I like that the verbiage has not been like the brand split like you see with WWE. They keep it a little more open. So I think what might open, open, I should say. Oh, I agree. I think what might open some doors as well is when Brian Danielson comes back. I think you'll start to see the Blackpool Combat Club a little bit on Collision as well, because I know yes. that there were some there were some inklings that we could see Punk and Danielson at All In, mm-hmm. and I know that they have a pretty decent relationship. So, yep. but I mean, time will tell there too. Mox and Punk, that relationship had been ruptured, but from what I hear, they've kind of buried the hatchet, and things are good there now. So, yeah, I would I would not be surprised to see that happening. Hopefully, you know, he's recovering. We know that original timetable has been extended mm. for Danielson and the injury was more serious than they thought. So I don't got a timetable on his return. It's going to be longer than we initially thought, unfortunately. Hoping for Grand Slam. I mean, that's probably the earliest. Yeah. It's a bummer, man. Total bummer about all in. I know. What can you I do? know. So is he the only I'm trying to think. So while well, Jamie Hader, that's a big one, especially for England. Yep. 
So those are the are those the only two that are going to be missing from an injury perspective? I believe so. At least oh people that they had big plans for initially. Yeah, because yeah. I know both of them were going to. You know, the thought was be featured prominently for sure. Because this is the yeah, this is arguably the healthiest that the roster has been in a long time. Yeah, outside of outside of that, I think. Oh. One last thing about Collision as well. Actually, this is more about, we mentioned the tag team division as well. The Acclaimed and how they started so hot and then, or they got hot. All of a sudden they lose the tag belts and now they're just kind of, eh, they're still getting the crowd responses. However, I would like to see them in something more meaningful. So what's with going on with Billy Gunn too? I'm very, very curious. I know he's almost 60 years old, so he should retire. But at the same time, <laughs> he's an important part of this act right now. Yeah, he's got some juice left in the tank. I hope that was just a tease. Yeah. All right, let's flip it over to WWE. You had a couple of things here in our agenda to talk about. And and as I said at the top, I'm still playing catch up on WWE. I know the main talking points, you know, since I've been traveling around the country, I've still been paying attention to what's happening and, and clips on social media and stuff like that. But I'll let you take it away on some of these topics you wanted to hit here. So note to our viewers as well out there is we're going to be really WWE centric next Thursday. Yes. Obviously with SummerSlam. So that, I mean, it looks like it'd be an eight, nine match card. So something that Triple H hasn't had. I don't think, I don't think since he started producing these shows, he's really tightened it up to like an NXT style five, six, seven matches. Mm-hmm. It's interesting where he goes from here, but I think talking point one is LA Knight. And how already he gets thrown into a fatal four-way eliminator United States title situation and ends up not coming out victorious here after pulling the rug out from him at Money in the Bank. It's like, here we go again. (laughs) This is something we've seen from the WWE for a couple of decades. He's now become, if I'm not missed, if I saw this right, he's either number, he's in the top three at least in WWE merch sales. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check right now where he's ranking as of this minute. But yeah, I know he's he's right up there. And he could be number one. Yeah. I just don't... doesn't have a match right now for SummerSlam. I just don't understand how you can keep somebody that hot away or just either try to cool him off intentionally or I've been hearing the things about how they're delaying his huge push for after SummerSlam. I'm like, why not do it now? This is something that you could, especially with this bloodline storyline that's starting to wrap up. That's -hmm. something I really want to touch on next week, so I'll save that. But here's a talking point. When this bloodline story wraps up, what is the, are the WWE going to be able to stay this hot? Because I don't think so. Yeah. I I, I pulled up the shop right now. Organized by top sellers. The top two selling t-shirts are NWO merchandise. (laughs) Uh, but then you got LA Knight at number three, LA Knight at number four, and LA Knight at number six. Cody wow. there at number five. Where's Roman? And then you get into Roman. Roman there is uh, number seven. So yeah, but like, yeah, three of the top six. And, you know, I've been drawing this comparison. I said on the show maybe three weeks ago that, you know, I, I've been getting vibes of kind of what happened with Dolph Ziggler when he was really popular with the crowd. And they never went all in on him. And I, you know, he couldn't sustain that momentum. Some of that was him. Some, a lot of it was the booking too, mm-hmm. but he was moving a lot of merch too. You know, I think I said that on the pod too, that I went to a raw and boy, 
10 years ago now or something. It was when he had the bright pink shirt and like they were everywhere in the crowd. He was definitely one of the top merchandise sellers. And, you know, we're seeing the same thing happen here. LA Knights selling a ton of merch. I don't know. Like if they gave him the ball, could he run with it? Or is this a short term thing? I don't know. But they don't, they don't give the guy you know, the chance, not even in the mid card now with what you're talking about. So that is very puzzling. I know a lot of folks out there are really high in Santos X Escobar. I'm high on him, but not nearly as high as others are. I wouldn't mind him taking the title away from Austin Theory because theories become bland, very boring. Yes. Obviously, just I don't know what they need to do with him. Take him off TV for a couple of months and figure something out because he's still so young and there's a lot of time for him to figure it out. But it's just, I, I don't know. I just think it's time for him to kind of move on. Yeah, I mean... It's, it's just extremely puzzling to me. Another example is like Miro and Rusev Day when mm-hmm. he was getting, I'm assuming he was probably near the top five in merch sales back then in the WWE. And when, uh, just did we went to Mania. When we went to Mania in 2018 on Bourbon Street. It was Rusev Day shirts everywhere. That was by far the shirt you saw the most around New Orleans during WrestleMania that year. I can tell you that for sure. Jeez. Yeah. It's, I, it's just, and I, I guess it's, Triple H kind of adopting the Vince McMahon mentality, stuck in his ways with certain people. Didn't see LA Knight kind of f- pushing his way into WWE, into the upper echelon, mm-hmm. which they need it. I mean, I, I get it. He's only, I mean, he is he is 40 years old, so he's not exactly young. But guess what? He hasn't been on WWE television that long. Yeah. And that's been a huge problem, is that they just, folks are overstaying their welcome. Yeah. What about Sami Zayn? Well, funny you say that. Getting into my next topic, he lost in uh, NXT North American Championship match on Monday night to Dom Mysterio. (laughs) So before Dom heated up as a heel, we have been clamoring for him to go back to NXT to learn how to wrestle. Yeah. And here he is going back to NXT to win the North American title from... Wesley, one of the former Rascals, talented performer. But I know that I Triple H is just trying to now put a WWE main roster talent back on NXT Weekly to keep their ratings up another 100,000. I think that now they're staying in the high sixes, low sevens. Yeah. But yeah. to have a North American title match on USA on a Monday night, and it said it was not on, on your Tuesday night viewing like it should be, cross-pollinating the brands, then having your NXT champions come on to TV and lose. Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes have both been on Raw recently. Both have lost. Yeah, it just doesn't add up to me, but it's just super odd that you have to grab a, a main roster talent and have them go win a championship on NXT when you have many capable performers down there. Yeah, which is supposed to be the function of them being down there. <laughs> You know, just mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't make any sense to have someone from the main roster go down there and take over. Um, let me ask you something because I was talking with a good friend of mine about this the other day, and uh, let me see what you think. Is Dom Mysterio the number one heel in WWE right now? I mean, outside of Roman, of course, who is technically a heel, but a lot of people cheer him. I mean, I mean, a heel in a traditional sense where like pretty much the whole crowd boos him. Is Dom at the top of the list? Probably. <laughs> That's what we were talking about. I was like, 
when he had said my buddy had said this, I was like, well, I mean, technically Roman's a heel, so you'd have to say Roman. But like, I get what you're saying because over half the crowd is now cheering heel Roman. So when you look at traditional heel heat, it is probably Dom Mysterio for God's sakes, you know. <laughs> I I think the only other person I could throw in there, and I did say person, not performer, Paul Heyman. Well, yeah, yeah. Heat magnet. Always has been. That's why mm-hmm. I've just loved, I've, yeah, I'm a huge, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. Maybe I should wear that so t-shirt. Good. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah we, will, we will have a ton to say on WWE next week because we'll be prepping for SummerSlam. We'll be talking about all the matches. I hope you all join us live. It'll be in the Thursday time slot, Thursday night. So make sure you tune in SE scoops, YouTube channel, our YouTube channel after the fact and all the podcasting platforms. So for those of you out there that want more WWE talk, I promise it's coming next week. Jesse, you have anything more on WWE right now? Not at the moment because the larger stuff, like I said, we're going to really touch on next week. I just felt that LA Knight definitely deserves to get thrown into some conversation. Cause I would like to see him actually get pushed up the car a little bit. And then it's just, to me, Dom Mysterio, I it's just kind of amazing just the 180-degree turn he's made since September of last year and how yeah. his maturation as a character, while it hasn't translated the greatest in the ring just yet, there's been a couple of there's been some sloppiness still, and people are still kind of trying to play it off like, oh, Dom's gotten so much better. Eh, in the ring, nah, not really, folks. No, nah, not really. <laughs> there, there's still some. He should go back to NXT, but you, you can't pull him away from the act right now. So, no, no I, I felt that those two were super important because you can't have a judgment day as a whole go back down there because Finn, Damian, and Rhea are all above the NXT product right now at this point. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, last topic. I said in our Facebook group, I might get to this if we have time. We're about an hour and 15 in. We can hit this really quick because this was coming across the wire, um, I think, yesterday and today. And, you know, we in the past, we have talked quite a bit on the show about the Von Erichs world-class championship wrestling. We did a WCCW show on classics earlier this year. Uh, I know we reviewed Dark Side of the Ring when they did the Von Erich show and then talk extensively about the family and the tragedies tragedies at that point. So if you want to check our archives for a lot of Von Erich discussion, you can find it. Um, but we did get the first professional like studio shot of the Von Erich movie that is coming out later this year, The Iron Claw. You know, we've seen some stuff on this with, you know, like Zach Efron, who bulked up big time for this role i think a shot got out there months ago of him and you know how buff he was looking you know for the role and i got people talking um, but we haven't seen an actual professional photograph of it quite yet until yesterday and so i'm going to try to put this on the screen and we can talk a little bit about what we know of this movie coming out and it's going to release in the holiday season it looks like i think december 22nd is the release date this picture will load for me here. I'll throw it up on the screen. Yes, here it is. So that was the shot we got promotional shot of the Von Eric boys as played by the actors for the iron claw. Now, Dave Meltzer did have some notes in the observer recently about this movie and they were not positive. They were kind of negative because apparently there was like an early screening for a crowd and, he got some feedback on, on what they thought of the film. So let me just ask you, Jesse, do you know much about the Iron Claw or what have you heard so far? 
I've heard very little. And I'm yeah. curious too. I know MJF is playing Lance Von Eric, one of the cousins. Yes, and it's not clear if he even speaks oh, in, the, in the movie, but he's in there, yeah, a little bit. His strong point of it all, too. I know, figure. right? Ironic. Yeah. Yeah. No, I so, mean, go for go it. I was just going to say, so like Dave said, based on the feedback he got from the early screening, that it was like a wrestling magazine version of the Von Erich story rather than like telling the full truth and diving into, you know, the drug addiction the pressures of fame and like all of that leading to the tragedies. It, Dave made it sound like it's more played off in the movie, like more bad luck than anything, uh, which would be unfortunate because you want to be truthful. This is Hollywood. They're going to change some things and in all biopics do that. Um, but I, I can read some quotes here from the observer. I've, I've really been looking forward to seeing this, just being a fan of the Von Eriks. I'd like to, you know, it's going to open up pro wrestling again to new people if they go out and see this. It's a difficult time to open a movie, though. December 22nd. I mean, usually there's some big blockbusters coming out around the holidays. And apparently Iron Claw is totally skipping all of the fall film festivals, which is usually that's when they show movies that they think have good chances at awards. So they're skipping all of that. It's going to come out. It is going to be theatrical nationwide it's not like direct to streaming or anything like that it's december 22nd it's got big names in it said zach efron he plays kevin von eric in the film uh, and then jeremy allen white who is uh you know the lead chef on the bear if you watch that do you watch the bear have you seen any of no that? i haven't oh it's phenomenal great show set in chicago i saw you Check make a out. mention of it yeah yeah it's so good uh, apparently jeremy allen white gained like 40 pounds of muscle for this role as Carrie Von Eric. And he's in the film. So two pretty famous guys there playing, you know, two of the most iconic Von Eric boys in the film. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they do. But here's what here's what Dave said. Uh let me just try to without reading the whole article, pick out some things. Yeah. Uh like basically the movie starts with Fritz and and like black and white footage of him using the iron claw. And then they kind of fast forward to the late 70s. And you see all you see Kevin, you see David, you see Carrie and Mike, all pretty young, you know, at this point in time. And uh, I guess they stretched the truth a little bit about Carrie and like how close he really was to being on the 1980 U.S. Olympic team, which, of course, was the year the U.S. boycotted the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they talk about how you know, he was going to be on the Olympic team, which he did set a discus record in high school for the entire state of Texas, which is a hell of a record to set. And he was in college and he was he was on the track team at the University of Houston. Uh, but like Dave goes on to say, he wasn't Olympic level. That's kind of stretching the truth a little bit. Um, and then they talk about the Freebirds feud in the movie, as you would expect. They do mention cocaine and steroids. Um, but basically, they tell the story, you know, about they say Kevin's mad because uh, David's being groomed for the world title. And then they go into David's death, obviously. And uh they go the route of what happened. You know, one of the stories about David's death being about intestinal issues, a ruptured intestine. And apparently from the early screening reports, they don't really go into like the other theories about him, you know, taking part in drugs and whatever happened out in Japan, potentially allegedly. Uh, So some have been wondering when they've, they've looked at this review of, of what, was portrayed in these early screenings. If they're kind of just going off of, you know, Kevin's memory or maybe Kevin's changing the story a little bit rather than 
the film writers and the director doing their own independent research. They're leaning heavily into just, you know, Kevin's version of the events because they get to the match with flair after David's death. And, uh, apparently in the movie, let me pull up Dave's quote here again. They say that, uh, you know, Kevin wanted the match with flair. And then they say that Kevin and Carrie had like a coin flip to determine if it's going to be Carrie or Kevin wrestling Ric Flair wow. at Texas stadium. And like, obviously that was going to be Carrie at that moment in time. Yeah. Like I, that was really the only, only way that made sense. But in the movie they have like this coin flip and, and Carrie gets the match. Uh, but yeah, Carrie was a bigger star when they did that match. Um, there's a note here in Dave's comments that the actor that plays Ric Flair in the movie, I'm not <laughs> familiar with him. His name's Aaron Dean Eisenberg. Apparently he's very bad as Ric Flair. He like oh. cuts a flare promo in the movie and uh, there was audible laughing in the theater because it wasn't very good. According to Dave's report he received here. So that's unfortunate. Uh, oh. There's some, there's some like issues with the facts on what happens with Jerry Jarrett and, and the future of the company later on. Uh, he, you know, it's, it's a little more detailed after this, but overall, I guess as Dave said, what he heard from this early test screening and, and things can change. They could cut it differently. There's still time, but apparently it was kind of like a wrestling magazine version of the Von Eric story. Yeah. MJF's in it. Ryan Nemeth is in it. Uh, Chavo Guerrero is in it. Junior. Uh, let's see anyone. What if he plays his dad. Yeah. That'll be interesting. So, yeah, and that's these are very early notes. Obviously, we're five months away from the re, from the release of the film. But these are kind of the reports that were coming out from a test screening recently, according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. Such a massive territory world glass was too. holy cow. <laughs> I got to read you this quote at the end. <laughs> Dave says, overall, it was said to be better than ready to rumble and worse than the wrestler. But I think the vast majority of movies made would fit into that category. <laughs> like, no shit, the wrestler <laughs> nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars, ready to rumble. That's pretty much as far as you can go on both ends of the spectrum, I would say. Oh, so No Holds Barred was better than Ready to Rumble. <laughs> I would say. Personally, I like No Holds Barred better. Yeah. I will say that. Did you see Ready to Rumble in the theater, Jesse? No, I did not. Let me put this out there. I saw in the theater with one of my first girlfriends and I was mortified watching that movie with her. Maybe if I was just with guys, I wouldn't have been so mortified, but watching, I was like, Oh my God, she's going to think this is what all wrestling fans are like. It was like a group of us that went in high school. It wasn't just me and her, but that's good. Mm. Saving face. <laughs> yes. Thank goodness. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean this, this movie, uh, I'm still looking forward to it again. That was an early rough cut. Definitely we'll talk about it when it comes out here on the pod. Um, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. There's been great documentaries about the Von Erics, and it's a really, really interesting story. Heroes of World Class is one of my favorite wrestling documentaries ever made. I thought Dark Side of the Ring was very good, too. This, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully better Gosh. than Ready to Rumble. I would imagine that it would be. <laughs> uh Kevin, it's just crazy. He's the only one still alive. I know that Carrie, Carrie's daughter, just a clip of her ripping on the WWE and 
Ted DiBiase just made its way through Twitter today from like seven or eight years ago. It was kind of interesting. Is that a WrestleCon? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize she... Yeah, I knew she was in the business at, at a time. She's now married with three three children. She's been out of it for quite a few years, but yeah. yeah. Go figure. Yeah. So those are your early notes on the Iron Claw. So we'll see how it plays out. Jesse, your first show in as an official co-host. How are you feeling? We survived, or I did. <laughs> uh, I do. Yeah, I thought you did great, man. This was a fun discussion. Absolutely, it's it's still interesting to me. I know I'm so used to hosting, I guess. So it's it's really nice being on the opposite end of things, not having to set things up. It's just like, oh, there it is. Okay, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not doing the heavy lifting. Just well, you just might be you might be hosting once in a while. There's a, there's a couple of shows coming up where I might not be able to be on as we'll talk about off air and yeah. you might have to run the show because I think Justin prefers always playing off of somebody else. I don't think Justin wants to host. So you've got the experience. Absolutely. Actually, I have experienced the restream as well. So that's been super helpful. Yeah. You'll know how to run the video and everything. Yeah. We we're not going to. Yeah. Nothing's going to drop off when Ryan's gone, except for eh, maybe Maybe some of the banter will, will drop off a bit. It's it's hard when when one of us is missing. So yeah. Much better as a trio than a duo, that's for sure. Well, we'll be we'll be glad to get Justin back next week. I think he is he was on a trip too. I believe he's returning to town probably right now as we speak. So he'll be with us for the SummerSlam preview. And I also wanted to mention, I put this out on the Facebook group. I'm gonna put it up on the video stream here, but in celebration of the new era of Top Rope Nation and the new trio, I did design a few new t shirts which are available on our Spreadshirt store, which you can find at topropenation.com. I got them on the screen here. Three new shirts, Jesse. One, old school pro wrestling is better. One that says beer drinking pro wrestling guys, describing us. And another one that says whiskey drinking pro wrestling guys. I might buy all three of them, Jesse. I might have to send you some too. I like them. This is a hard one, I know, between, well, I mean, all, all three, obviously, but a gold, silver, bronze is hard to rank them because... <laughs> beer beer and whiskey i do i do partake i do drink i don't drink as much as obviously as uh as some do obviously because i'm uh my shoe job as the old co-host would say which probably means i should lay off of the alcohol but <laughs> i thought you were gonna say i don't drink as much as ryan and justin for god's sakes but <laughs> some people yes oh no no but i mean <laughs> if anything it's beer probably yeah whiskey and then i am hispanic i do like tequila but i honestly prefer actually funny you say that i'm have i have gin in here folks so i i would say <laughs> gin is probably my number one and then whiskey and tequila depending on the day but yeah moral of the story all all three shirts are great i'll probably I think we'll start out wearing the whiskey drinking pro wrestling guys first <laughs> it seems like we alternate at least Justin and I, between a beer or whiskey on the pod. I was planning on going with whiskey tonight, and then my stomach was feeling a little off. So I'm like, uh, I'll stick with beer, a little smoother on the stomach. So maybe next week for SummerSlam. God knows I might need some whiskey to get through that discussion. So I don't know if I can get the shirt in time to wear it on the pod, but I'll, I'll be placing an order soon, and you can too at topropenation.com. Whiskey for the classics for sure, and then beer yes. for for the flagship shows. We pretty much always have whiskey on classics because those shows get a little wild. So if you guys want to hear them, sign up for the Patreon. It's a blast. We might have some surprise guests coming up very soon on Top Rope Nation Classics. 
coordinating this behind the scenes. Might be hearing from some voices that you are a voice you haven't heard from in a while in the coming months, strictly on the classic show, because this person prefers to only talk about classic pro wrestling. So I'll just leave that out there and see if you can figure out who it is. But you might be hearing from an old voice soon. So sign up and get that seven-day free trial. Dive into the entire 100-plus Patreon bonus episodes. And if you like it, stick around because we've got some great stuff coming up. I think you mentioned this on your pod, Jesse, but you're probably going to be doing some things strictly for our Patreon page moving forward as well. We're not sure totally exactly what that's going to look like, but we'll get that ironed out in the next two months for sure, because some other things might be happening on the pod by September. So once we figure out what everything's going to look like, we'll organize that. Uh, But we do know you're going to be doing bonus content for us as well for all the listeners and patrons, correct? I sure will be. There's a lot of pro- side projects that I've been dreaming about doing, and I actually have a couple. Been doing WWF 1998, so some of that's gonna it's gonna continue for the rest of the year. On top Very of Nation, nice. as yeah. well as a project that also a certain someone who's tied into one of our wonderful support groups, SE Scoops. Hmm. will be joining me for something that we had talked about off air after the first time I had ever had him on my show. So nice. we, we really look forward to it because it's it's been a passion project for the both of us. I'll actually drop it now. We're going to talk about the CM Punk Samoa Joe trilogy. Oh, very nice. I'll look forward to that for sure. Love it. Stay tuned, everybody. Stuff to look forward to. There you have it. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 302. Jesse, where can they find you on social media? Jesse C. Velasquez on Twitter X. (laughs) Whatever it's called now, if it's still up. Jesse Velasquez on Blue Sky. We'll maybe get some people there. I don't know what in the world's going on. You're on threads now, so maybe you you can tell me how that's working out for you. Maybe I'll be inclined to join over there as well. Come for the wrestling talk. Stick around for the social media reviews. I will I will get into it very briefly. Threads is very good. Um, they finally added a curated timeline now, which was the big complaint I had when I joined, where I was just getting random, I don't even know what they call them, not tweets, but you know, like the, the threads postings on my homepage, and it was people I didn't even follow. And I wasn't even seeing the people I follow as much. Now they have that recommended section, but they also have the following section, finally, where you only see posts from the people you are following. And yeah, I mean, it pretty much looks like Twitter, Uh, but uh, I like the design. Yeah, it goes hand in hand with Instagram. So if you have an Instagram account, you can pretty much just activate it and get on there. I have still been hanging around Blue Sky a little bit. You know, the invite only system, obviously, uh, you got me on there with a recommendation early on, but that's hurt their growth. But I think it's I think it's very functional. I like Blue Sky. Uh, I'm on there. Blue Sky, Twitter, Threads, all Ryan Drosty, D-R-O-S-T-E. So you can find me there. Top Rope Nations on all of them except Blue Sky as well. It filters out the threads. bad faith actors. It does. That's what Blue Sky does. Blue Sky is very good for that. Probably better than Threads at that, I would say. But it's also a smaller universe, so it's a little harder to get interaction on there, I would say. But uh, Threads are all worth ton. checking out. There are a ton of users on there now, aren't there? Yeah, because like with threads, you don't you didn't have to really sign up. Like if you have an Instagram, it's like you're just activating it. 
So like, I know they talked about how many people signed up. They weren't really signing up. They're just activating through an existing social portal over on Instagram. So like a little bit different than blue sky where, you know, you have to physically sign, sign up and fill out the form and, you know, get the code obviously to join. I mean, it's just like clicking a button pretty much for threads. So I would recommend checking it out. You should get on there. It's most of the people. I think we follow a lot of the same people I'm finding on threads now, which is good to see because God knows what's happening with Twitter. It seems like Elon is intentionally trying to kill the site. Blending the shoot job and the hobby together. Mm. Trying to marry the two. That'll be intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I think your Instagram is mostly based on your shoot job, isn't it? It is, yes. There was a summer there, right when AEW started, where I would say every third post I would throw something AEW-related into my content. It would be a picture. Yeah. 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 Very nice. Well, check it out. Get on threads. I'd recommend it for everyone because, I mean... Yeah, this Twitter X stuff, it's the whole thing. Why would you make these changes to an existing brand that everybody knows? I put out on, a, I think a, it was on threads on the Top Rope Nation account. I can't remember if I put it on Twitter, but I said, you know, the the Twitter bird going to the X logo is the second worst rebranding of all time, only behind the classic WCW logo and that Star Trek looking abomination that they went to in 1999. That was real bad. That was the final nail in the coffin for WCW. <laughs> yes, that's all it took. It was all downhill from there. Uh, all right, guys, this has been a blast. Thanks for those of you who joined us live. And uh, for those of you after the fact, thanks for tuning in as well. And we will see you all next Thursday night for episode 303 of Top Rope Nation. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend.